Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. And welcome uh, to episode three of season one of Why the Long Face with, um, hey, let's do this, with me, uh, Oliver Turnbull, and... And me, uh, Paul Keedwell. Dr. Paul Keedwell. Do not hide mm. your light under a bushel, my friend. Mm. You're a doctor. Yeah, I am. And a proper, I am, yeah. And a proper yeah. doctor. Yeah. You studied hard for that, man. I did. I worked hard for that. It wasn't just drinking. Most You're coming of the out time. for a pint, Paul. Most of the time. No, I'm studying. I'm studying. No, I go out for the pint. And then you go out for the pint as well. I work hard and play hard. He did indeed. He was good company. Talking of which, um, welcome, by the way. But um, I've got a very nice, uh, uh, most of you, I think, will be uh, uh, aware of Brewdog. Uh, yes. The Dead Pony Club is a very nice session IPA. Oh, there we go. I'll just have a little slug. Mm. Mm. Normally we have Crikey. two different beers and compare. But that is really, oh, it's even spurting out the top. It might be too tasty for you because you like your lager. Yeah, that is, there's a strong taste to it, but I can, I can dig it. Yeah, not too heavy. Uh, not certainly not too heavy. It's very. It's light. a West, it's a West Coast style, man. So it's quite oh, light. Right, West Coast but, of what? But never less hoppy. Quite ci- citrusy. The citrus is hoppy. There's also there's tones of. Don't you have to say tones of these days? I don't know. Maybe there's tones of and then you, there's, there's a bit, to, citrus <laughs> oh, notes. Notes. That's it. Yeah. Notes and tones. The citrus notes. There's a musical metaphor in tech because you can't really describe um, taste. There's no vocabulary for it. Well, we do our best. Mm. We do our best. So this episode, yes, we're going to attempt uh, to cover the the very large topic, I guess, um, potentially meandering topic of what causes depression. Yeah, and I don't want to get you too excited, but Dr. Keedwell has come up with a categorization which I think, and I don't think this is hyperbole, I think is the greatest scientific breakthrough uh, of mankind. No, I just think it's really uh, a good way of breaking down um, the causes of depression. But what the doctor has told me uh, is that it's not black and white, so it's not a really um, strict taxonomy because lots of things are at play and lots of things overlap as well. Mm. But I think what you've come up with is a very useful way mm. of, of breaking it down. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. I tried. I try to please. But so what we're going to try and cover in this episode then are the three main categories, mm. as I see them, biological causes, life events, and... Uh, thinking style, cognitive style, right? Yeah. Which can also be termed biological, social, social and psychological, but that sounds quite dry. So, yeah, biological life events and cognitive style. So can I, as a layman, yeah. try, and, try and describe what I think those three categories are? Because I yeah, find it very useful yeah. when I read your article, which we're obviously going to put up on the website. So biological is sort of uh, the way you're put together biologically. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from hereditary and coming from just the way that you're that you're organised biologically, socially is kind of stuff that. Uh, no, you. you moved on too soon. Though. Ah, did I? Yeah, because under biologicals, not just your inherent makeup, which we might call genetics, but the biological influences on you, things ah. you might put in your body, ah, right, and also physical illnesses. So right. they come under that. Okay, so so biological is the way. You're made up and things that happen to your body over time. It's it's a biological influence over your brain that is affecting you, right? Whereas uh, stresses and strains of life, right, which could be short-term or long-term, right? And then uh, cognitive style. Ah, because it's almost like your software. The way you think about things and the way you interpret the inputs that are coming into your senses the whole time. Right. Uh, 
basically the way you think. And yeah. It can be sometimes distorted and not helpful. Yeah. So take two people who are exposed to the same life events that will have different software and therefore interpret those events. There'll be a different output. Because I don't want to um, confuse it, but what you have talked about before, which I think is really interesting and useful, is the way that certain people have a vulnerability to depression. Mm. Uh, and you could almost give them a score, but we wouldn't want to do that. And it's almost as if, if you, if you, in the right circumstances, almost anyone could become depressed. It would just take a lot more for some people. Well, than others, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, let's let's go into it because when you talk about vulnerability, yeah, there's vulnerability that is inherent, and there's vulnerability that is acquired. How about that? Nice, biologically or or through life events and stuff that happens. Is this a is this bordering on nature and nurture, or is this yeah. something different? I see. Right. Yeah. So, um, you by nature quite grumpy, um, and, and find that hard to uh, accept, I, and quite um, red faced. I'm red faced. Yes, biologically uh, red faced. That's biological. Um, <laughs> you're a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you love a beer. Well, my dad helped me out on that one. Yeah, he introduced me to beer about the age of three and most kids <laughs> yeah. go oh dad that's horrible but i went that's just all right is that all right well listen um so genetics keeping life stresses constant right because we all have life stresses but some more than others but so assuming we all have the same amount of stress in our lives some people would be more vulnerable than others um and there's a bell curve of vulnerability in okay. my view and so most of us would take a moderate amount of stress or quite a lot of stress i suppose to get depressed and the rest of us fall uh, at the tail ends. So those who are very sensitive don't need very much stress. They're at one end, tail end. Mm. There's not many in the in the population, I guess. And equally, there are some stoics who, no matter what you throw at them, they never get depressed. Uh, they're the other tail end, right? That we think is uh, equally a bit odd, in a way. <laughs> Got it. So um, can I ask a question about what used to be called endogenous depression, which is, in other words, depression that comes from nowhere. I think that was the, the meaning of it. Or it comes from within. Ah, right. More accurately. Endo, right. yeah. Uh -huh, within, of as opposed to exo, uh, without. Got it. So nice bit of Greek or Latin. Let's not go into which. Um, so are you saying that actually... No, because we're the of us. know what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. despite my grammar school education. Yeah. And wherever you He says schooled. opening uh, his second small beer. Yeah, only small beers, because we don't in any way advocate heavy drinking. No, man. Um, it's one of the uh, biological influences uh, over depression. We'll come to that. Are you saying that endogenous depression is something of a myth and that there there must be a, a reason? It can't bubble up out of nowhere. That's what um, I, I, I think it's had its day as a term because it's quite difficult to uh, argue that depression has come out of the blue. But at the same time, you people definitely describe some pa patients in my clinic have definitely described this feeling of depression coming from nowhere like a curtain just descending on over them Ooh. like a safety curtain at the end of a performance right Ooh. in the theater uh and they could be uh, uh so happy one minute maybe on holiday and then this curtain descends but it's you then say well okay but was there a build-up of stress over time i yeah, see it, it, there was a yeah. So, but I, I would, I would, f I still find the term kind of useful in the back of my mind sometimes with certain certain individuals, I guess, and they would be at that uh, bottom tail end of the curve, I guess. Right. The extreme end. Right. You mm. would. We would. The way we would we would think about that is this person has a very high genetic loading, 
But, of course, this assumes that they don't have lots of psychological vulnerabilities from their upbringing, which we're going to, which is the third, the thinking style thing. So I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place, but it is so fascinating. When you're um, in a clinical setting and someone's presenting with depression, how important is it for you to categorise the reasons behind it before you can attempt treatment? Um, Well, these... These are false categories in a sense because people have a little bit of from column A, B, and C often. Right. right? So what you're doing is not. Yes, you are. I suppose you are. You have got a, a certain framework for for assessing for thinking about the cause, a kind of grid of biological, psychological, social, and predisposing, triggering, precipitating, and then perpetuating things that maintain the depression. You do have this sort of three by three grid. Yeah, you've got that system, but at the same time, you're not you're not categorising the patient or the, the the person in front of you. Right. Yeah, um, I understand that you you're under trying to work out the reasons, but not in not not to categorise, but just to understand the reasons. What's the relative importance of? Yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on with biological. So we've discussed genetics. Is there more to say on that? Uh, just to say that um, there isn't one big gene a depression gene that causes depression so uh the the, uh, the how how the vulnerability to depression is transmitted genetically is complex and probably involves lots of genes of small effect so for example you 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 um you might need to pick up six genes to get high vulnerability you, you, your father's got three your mum's got three so they never got were never particularly vulnerable but just by chance you ended up with all six mm. um then that sort of how it works so um that is a way of understanding how it can jump generations and how it's by no means a dead cert that if one parent's got it you're going to get it but there is more likelihood we, isn't there that if you're if, you, if one parent or two parents have depression that you're likely to suffer is that is that proven or? uh so in yes so in general if you have a first degree relative so that's someone who's a sibling or a parent that's 50 percent consanguinity uh yeah so that would be that would be are you going to explain what that is yeah that consanguinity means? is a measure of how closely related you are to somebody so 50 percent, as you so rightly say to a parent or sibling and that goes down the uh, further you are um away to an eighth if you're a cousin and to a quarter if you're a niece yeah uncle. so so 50 percent consanguinity ah, you don't know the would word. confer a <laughs> It's so important to you. It's so important to you. It's no word that you don't. It is so important. Pathetically important. Hey, I do know that word, but have I ever used it in clinical practice? Never. Well, maybe but you should. Maybe I should start. <laughs> um, yeah, so so just to finish the point, so your risk might go up by mm. three times if you had a close family relative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you presumably when you're presented with the patient, you ask about um, mm. you ask about um, family uh, history, fam- family history. You do. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So we covered genetics. Uh, just to say that um, we're talking about predisposition, but then you need some often an environmental impact, some stress or some other influence from those we haven't mentioned yet. that makes it more likely for you to manifest it. So we right. call a stress liability model. Got it. Which is a model that we have talked about and I love. Yeah. Let's move so we're on. talking about liability. Yeah. So biologically, so drugs and alcohol, you were explaining at the top of the show um, that, that you put that in the biological category because it's something that is physically affecting you. Mm. Cheers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers. 
Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about a one or two drinks every now and again. We're talking about um, dependence on alcohol. So uh, an unhealthy, harmful level of alcohol over time, particularly continuous p uh, pattern of, of harmful use, has been shown to make you depressed. It affects your uh, brain chemistry, as you imagine. And a stupid question, uh, um, are some drugs worse than others? I know you, yeah. you list in the article uh, meth, cocaine, MDMA, but... It's easy to understand how, when you come down off these drugs, then you might uh, have a period of low mood. And that, and that is usually temporary. But imagine if you are particularly vulnerable um, genetically to depression, it's not a good idea to take any of those. And I guess, <clears throat> why do you take a drug? You take a drug to have a good time. Uh, implied by that is fun and happiness and being high. They're yeah. Not, I don't think people generally take a drug to feel depressed. I suppose you, you take a drug to feel mellow. I suppose mm. uh, marijuana is mm. a, a classic example. Mm. But typically, you, you do it to enhance your mood or change your mood. Yeah. So it's, it's not surprising there's a biological payback. No. Um, I mean, obviously, we need to say here that there is a, a sort of two-way relationship between drugs, alcohol, and depression in that about a third of people who are who suffer from depression end up um, using alcohol, for example, to a harmful level as a kind of self-medication, as a way of trying to cope with their depression. So it can be the other way around. A horrible cycle, you can imagine, can't you? Because uh, you, you can get temporary relief from this unbearable depression by having a few drinks or a yeah. smoke or whatever it is you do. And that takes you one level further down the misery overall because you wake up with a hangover or whatever and feeling worse. You can imagine getting into that trap. That's horrible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we move on to the uh, prescribed drugs. Ah, so medication. They can be another cause. Um, and, of course, it falls into the biological category yeah. because it is something that is affecting your biology. Yeah. Yeah. So it's having a direct effect on brain receptors, I guess. So these drugs are passing through what we call the blood-brain uh, barrier and they're having a direct effect on, on your brain and an unpredictable effect. So if I was to give inject you with um, interferon, you'd have... Is that a, a real drug? It sounds like something out of Captain Scarlet. Yeah, or Buck Rogers. The interferon's uh, sapped us of our superpowers. Absolutely no way. If a doctor says, I'm going to give you interferon, I'd be like... Mm. So the interferon alpha, which is used to treat viral hepatitis, it's a, it's a type of immune chemical that we we generate ourselves often um, uh, in response to, to to some kind of threat to our bodies, right? It's often given to enhance our ability to attack uh, viruses, and it can commonly cause depression. Do we know why? No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to... <laughs> No, we, we, we do have we do have various theories on it. Um, steroids is another one. Oral contraceptives are, is, can affect some women adversely wow. with their moods. Some uh, anti-hypertensive uh, drugs, some blood pressure drugs, in other words. And Roaccutane for acne. Do you know one. what I've heard about that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's something to. So that's the name. That's the names. The the some common ones. But well, I would say it's a commonly known ones. But um, the the effect of uh, these on your mental state, I mean, is, is by no means definite. It's a, it's a it's a minority of people that are affected. Can you can you um, take one of these medications and under certain circumstances, never been depressed before, and suddenly <coughs> experience this this yeah. period of depression? That's that must be terrifying. Yeah. I guess. Although you're more likely to get depressed um, 
when given these if you have a past history of depression so was going to be my next question probably true of all of, of the alcohol and drugs as well but physical illness is the next one ah yes so this is quite a surprise to me actually really um, yeah it was I, I thought oh so uh, a lot of people who get flu have suffered from depression is probably that hard briefly. to differentiate from just feeling a bit pissed off because you're um got flu it, yeah but it it seems to disproportionately cause depression compared to other debilitating infections right, good right? Uh, yeah and uh, same with hiv and same with uh, glandular fever or mono to give it mono mononucleosis oh right oh you know everything yeah but you are that clever. tends it, it, if you say glandular fever to an, uh, fever to uh, one of our american friends they wouldn't know what you're talking about ah they, they, they call they, it mono they call it mono yeah, yeah. i think i've said that um, and then hormonal problems. So uh, basically, any problems with your glands can wreak havoc with your mental state. Wow. Yeah. So thyroid issues, uh, parathyroid, which is the little glands either side of your thyroid that affects your calcium, your your kind of calcium metabolism, your bone metabolism. Um, adrenal glands. So I don't know if you had a Cushing's disease. Yeah. Addison's disease. Yeah. They can be associated with depression. Gosh. Then um, uh, inflammatory disorders, so things like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, due to a direct effect of the inflammatory chemicals that are generated in your body. Um, and this is quite aside from the so fact... So similar mechanism sorry. to what I what I mentioned before. So not, not related to the fact that you've got rheumatoid arthritis or lupus and Correct. that makes you happy. It's, it's actually seems physiological... To be, seems to be a direct Wowie. biological effect rather than... Um, I mean, it is the case that um, uh, arthritis, um, perhaps lower back pain, uh, stroke, cancers, you know, understandably are associated with depression if they are invading your sleep um, due to the pain or they're restricting what you can do in your life. That's so, understandable. So the more you talk about this stuff, the more I realise that it's, uh, it's a sort of mixture of things. Because if you've got cancer, that's a depressing thing to have straight off yeah but it could, there can also be um like you said a biological effect of the disease um which gives you uh, a vulnerability to depression as well as the, the fact of having the disease itself so i can understand when you're talking to a patient how how, how complex it is and how these things are yeah and i i think i probably probably ended i've managed to just confuse everybody by mentioning arthritis under two different categories but uh, the point being that um rheumatoid arthritis generates an autoimmune response which seems to affect the brain directly and independently of the, of the pain and the disability that it causes. Because otherwise you'd have the same prevalence of depression if it was just about pain and disability in osteoarthritis as rheumatoid arthritis. But they, there is a, there's a higher risk of depression with rheumatoid. Does that, that make sense? It does absolutely make sense. You've explained it well, but there's, there's something about inflammation as well in depression. Inflammation is the new kind of theory of depression. I think um, it's probably worth having a sentence or two on that. Yeah, there are some people who, when they're suffering with depression, have a very high level of inflammation, even when they're just stressed. And this is a th so this is thought to be perhaps an intermediary step. And if you were to give people aspirin or things that calm down their inflammatory response, they may not be depressed. So that's the latest kind of thinking on it, or might reduce the risk of your depression. But the only problem with theory is that it's uh, like all the other theories it doesn't explain all depression there are plenty of people who suffer depression that don't have raised what we call inflammatory markers in the blood if you give someone 
something which generates an infl- infl- inflammation, they are going to get depression. That's extraordinary. You take that, take that away, the depression goes away. It's almost as um, radical as the discovery of you know um, serotonin as being uh, an important. Well, let's not get carried mm-hmm. away, but it's certainly very interesting. It's not, you know, it's um, it's not going to lead to uh, a, 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 a necessarily for a cure for depression in everybody, but um, it's it's definitely worth taking on board. Indeed. All right. So cool. We've come to the end of biological uh, in some detail. Genetics, drugs and alcohol, medication, uh, and physical illness. Let's move on to the um, the next large category, broad category, life events. Mm. Stuff that happens to you um, mm. externally, uh, which is non-biological, but can um, ha- have, a, have a negative effect with regards to your vulnerability to depression. Mm. So what, what kind of stuff are we talking about? I bet I can guess. Well, you looked into it, didn't you? Because you did a bit of research yourself. Into a little bit the Holmes and Ra scale right oh so, love that scale yeah absolutely and brilliant. what was number one again I think <laughs> golly I, I haven't got it to hand but I think it was divorce or spousal mm. loss yeah, at a hundred yeah yeah I think um, that's right yeah yeah and there was lo- lots of little things that can add up as well it's additive as well that's the thing I like mm. about it so you could um, put together a pretty high score if you, you if you if, if you, you had three lots of three small small <laughs> relatively minor events yeah. or all you, at the same time if your football team lost like every game in the season or whatever it could it could add up to uh, to uh, the equivalent of a period of imprisonment um, <laughs> so uh, yeah just remind me what that scale is because people might want to have a look at that we'll probably put the link up on the uh, on the website I think it's just the um, it's a scale that's that was based on a lot of uh, on some research into um, people's medical records and uh, the the sort of the frequency of which people would experience medical or, or psychological uh, illness, I suppose, or break, uh, disorders uh, following various life events. So oh, right. and, uh, the science and, behind it. Yeah. So different different events had different loadings for yeah. based on the <laughs> the likelihood that they would yeah. trigger trigger this you know um stress related diseases I and it, the point scale 100 was the worst and then stubbing your toe yeah whatever was, uh, <laughs> yeah one point. but I, but i you know without going into too much detail because people look it up but divorce imprisonment bereavement moving home massive one that's really interesting one Where every time i've moved home i've felt stressed you know and i felt a str- i felt a, a sense you made everyone else stressed <laughs> as well. everyone's just because by going on about it but i felt not only the stress of working hard to move home but you also feel a little bit uh discombobulated you feel a little bit detached you feel a little bit oh um, i haven't I, i've uprooted and moved somewhere else i think that's probably part of it as well or maybe that's just me yeah i mean so people like to have no uh, attachments but i think in general like to because you're renting yourself out of the community aren't you yeah and it's your stuff and it's your house and you're you're used to um you know the shape of the rooms the configuration of the rooms your own bed the noises the smells the sights the sounds of the house (laughs) that you're used to thank you oliver turnbull poet laureate laureate. Um, here's my poem the house by (laughs) oliver turnbull age 53 uh anyway so i suppose you can go through a kind of bereavement for all that it's not I just d- moving house, it's the consequences of moving I house. feel very sad when I say goodbye to a, an old house or an old job or anything. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. You walk through the em- your empty rooms going, bye-bye room. It's not depression, is it? It's a sort of gentle melancholy, but it could become depression. Maybe. Maybe. I can certainly relate to it being, um, although it's often a positive thing, but I can relate to it being mel- melancholy. Good word. Right. So, I know lots of people who've moved house and not suffered depression. Uh, same with bereavement, actually. Same with divorce. Uh, 
Some have come close to it, I think. And so it's basically not that simple. Yeah, we hear that more and more. I mean, and do you know what? The, the human brain is the most complex thing in the universe, in the known universe. Who is going to expect it to be simple? It's right. A, it's incredibly complex. It's therefore not going to be, this happens to a brain, that's the outcome. It's going to be incredibly multifaceted yeah. and unpredictable. Not, not only is it what, probably our most um, complicated organ, right? And your and second, in, your, your second in, favorite. In my case, second favorite. In your case, possibly third favorite. <laughs> Copyright Woody Allen, 1972. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a. Uh, it is also um, packed full of a load of uh, experiences that are unique to you. Of, of experientially goodness. Well, well, some goodness, maybe in your case. <laughs> yeah, occasional. We have this um, thing uh, that we talk about uh, uh, in in uh, the, the the job I do about complicated versus complex, and complicated is something like an internal combustion engine. God, here we go. In other words, you put petrol in and oil in and you turn the key and it works, but you don't know all the bits in the internal combustion engine, but the level of predictability is high. In a complex system, mm. um, such as the stock exchange or a weather system or the human brain, you can put a set of inputs in and the outputs are very unpredictable because it's a complex system. God, how much do you get paid for that stuff? I get paid very little. I, I had <laughs> a brief period. You get paid disproportionately highly for that kind of nonsense. I had a brief period in the 90s Surely. when management consultancy was fashionable. I could I do your job, quite man. Well. Oh, no, you could. Yeah, <laughs> You could. Yeah, you could, definitely. No, I couldn't. I wouldn't have the language. <laughs> well, no, you'd learn that. Because you flower it up a lot. It's great. <laughs> I just Brilliant. explained what a complex system is. I forget it quite uh, That'll be one great an hour but you're right you're right the brain is a complex system with unpredictable uh, uh outputs which is why psychiatry is not a good i think i've said it before profession to go into if you want clean cut results yeah <laughs> your efforts it's a bit like um why surfing is so addictive i think that's why you carry on doing psychiatry it's the same reason that you stay in the water <laughs> waiting for the seventh wave you know what I mean? I just have to say. I mean, you, there's always something you do for everybody. You look hilarious on a surfboard. And can I just say, there's a downside to it as well. I've, I've spoken <clears> to you a lot of times after, um, you know, people haven't got better. Uh, and uh, uh, and you take that home with you as well. My wetsuit is uh, just progressively shrunk. I'm as talking about psychiatry again. Not <laughs> surfing. <laughs> My wetsuit has shrunk. Maybe <laughs> around the uh, midriff. Yeah. <laughs> as I've gone into middle age. It's very, very... Annoying it that like it a, should disproportionately shrink in that area. It looks like a baby seal trying to take its first step. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, However, I can actually ride a wave, but it needs to be a moderately small one. Mm. And uh, with plenty of time to get set myself <laughs> a nightmare fistral beach, uh, which is near Newquay, folks. It's because they, they often there's uh, two swells coming in and you've got about three seconds between waves. Shall we move on? Hopeless. Oh, yeah. So the meaning of events, as important as the events themselves, that's the main point. We'll come back to this later. All right. So, so how you interpret the event, what impact it has for you personally because of your own unique experience is more important than just adding up the number of events you've had. And Got going, it. Right, you're, you're going to get depressed. But so, for example, if you drop dead right now, that would barely barely register, barely register on your, <laughs> on your radar whereas if say you know that guy we met earlier who was just a great guy if he so much as twisted his ankle oh the guy you really like yeah he's brilliant, your new right? best friend yeah he's great yeah, Look, thanks, don't be man. like that thanks man uh, no, um well my mother might be no she probably even not even my mother would care that much <laughs> no no she would she quite like sorry you. no no your mother she said she's quite no fond. i think she's she grown might. quite fond of you over the years <laughs> 
One thing I read was that if something undermines your worldview, that can cause such devastation um, that it can spiral you into depression. Um, the shock of maybe a partner leaving you if, if they were your world and, and it was something that was completely unexpected or you're the head of a you're the head of a firm and that defines you as a person and the firm collapses um or you find out that you're um adopted or something that really really shakes you at the foundation of what your worldview is yeah. can can score you know highly for you personally whereas for someone else without that strongly held worldview it might be less devastating well it's a bit of that and it's a bit about the circumstances isn't it it's a bit about it's about the consequences being way more impactful in those cases than someone who uh, um well the company goes bust but you don't really care about the job yeah exactly if you and you've got a, no, and you've already got a, another job lined up yeah <laughs> yeah and your job to you is just a way of making money so that you can go mountain climbing right or the relationship breakup where the partner isn't your world <laughs> far from it mm. and you feel a certain certain sense of relief uh, as well as in- inevitable sadness though because of relationships failed so context is success. key yeah are we so going on to the third category we yeah why not let's recap biological we talked about four different types of that uh life events which we talked about highly contextual very unpredictable because we're talking about complex systems by yeah. the way um if you want to get hold of me for some management consultancy i am incredibly available uh and finally uh, this is probably and, my and favorite quite cheap right uh, relatively so the <laughs> 90s was the time for my game. uh cognitive style this especially 1999 i seem to remember oh that was the biggest the millennium ever. bug the millennium bug you're such a bunch of shysters oh and it was terrible we knew it at the time as well it was like <laughs> well what's going to happen well anything we'd, we'd say this, what's going to happen in 1999 well literally anything could happen we'd say, <laughs> literally anything which is could the because you know that's the most terrifying thing <laughs> yeah. you could say anything it's like, it's like so Brexit. please hand over your wallet yeah because anything could happen but hang on, haven't been be, people been able to have mortgages that go beyond the year 2000 for the last 20 years? Well, yes, but literally anything could happen. Planes <laughs> will fall out the sky. <laughs> you know, the year 2000 was, uh, I won't even go into it, but it was, it was something, it was the millennium bug started in yeah, 1985. So, yeah. So life events then. <laughs> <laughs> you we didn't mention divorce. We were saying short term grief reaction after divorce is normal. But what might make depression more likely is if you had a particularly acrimonious split that protracted, Children. you drag through the courts, uh, custody battles that go on and on, and you know that sort of thing. I think it's more because I think the the key to understanding what causes depression is chronic stress, persistent stress, ah. not not just just not not just one event. Um, and the, the the other thing to consider as well is what uh, social scientists call. Um, ongoing life difficulties which is another way of saying you're under chronic stress yeah and then something comes along and that's the last straw and then that tips you into depression so the event itself you might think which is where the Holmes and Ra approach falls down you're like, okay well you just had a yeah on our scale this just shows only a 20 percent. why did you go depressed well because I had because I had these huge debts that have been building up yeah. for the last three years and I don't know how I'm going to pay them off now the scale is far, far or far I'm going for, I'm in a very unhappy marriage yeah and then I lose my job on top of that yeah. or or the thing that that tips you over is perhaps uh related to the chronic life difficulty 
and just yeah, yeah. that that reminds me of something to quickly to touch on is the um chronic stress versus acute stress because acute stress is fun acute stress is like running 100 meters or acute stress is like doing a big presentation at work yeah or or you know a high profile case that you might have or whatever but chronic stress winds you down and it, it seems to me and I, i'm sure i've read this as well is that we're not really designed for chronic stress well i think we're adapted to acute stresses yeah we yeah. have to deal with those, not yeah. the chronic stresses yeah. of modern day living and stuff, which we talked about in the, in previous eps. But uh, specifically, we're talking about in an individual's lifetime here. But yeah, I think going back to this thing of the event can seem innocuous, but if it's related to the ongoing difficulty, for example, you have had an unhappy marriage, you are going through a difficult marriage, and your sister gets divorced. Boom. It's not even affecting. It's not even affecting you directly, but the meaning for you of that divorce. Ah, I never thought of it like that. Interesting. I need to get divorced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I'm yeah. now terrified that that's what's going to happen to me because she's in pieces. Let's move on. Let's move on to perhaps cognitive my... style. Yes, number three. We've had biological. We've had social. This is uh, cognitive. The way you look at the world, the way you think about the world, the way you your 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 mind. Um, uh, make sense of the world because in a sense we're, we're creatures that are taking in information all the time yeah. and trying to understand what it all means right yeah i'm constantly trying to understand what you mean uh <laughs> and who you are <laughs> and whether you're a valid um <laughs> organism <laughs> or you're a viable organism <laughs> <laughs> you understand that completely um so yes cognitive style you've called it which is nice your way of thinking things happen to you and your way of processing that I think the hypothesis is can uh, make you vulnerable or otherwise to to depression. Yeah, that's it. Oh man, this has got to be worth an ep in itself, man. I think we'll be coming back to these themes. That's why this ep should be considered introductory. Oh, right? we should. Consider I reckon. This introductory. Well, because we're going to come back to how to alter cognitive styles, and we're obviously going to address these these issues again, right? So why don't we just do a quick summary then, therefore? of um what what you would call what you'd call um cognitive, cognitive style. style or examples of how about a couple of examples of unhelpful cognitive styles okay okay um well first of all just let's say what a cognitive style is do it so it's the prism i'd say by which you view the world right it's the uh which can be distorted so the way that you see the world could be similar to the way most people see the world or it could be slightly towards the glass half empty or it could be slightly um seeing the world as slightly punishing or uh that other people are not trustworthy or that uh your place in the world is difficult because at the end of the day you don't value yourself very much um do you think this is hardwired or do you just are these learned um learned way to process the world based on previous experience or both. so so or it's not as simple as that <laughs> no it, 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 it is it is learned it is predominantly learned um you you start off life with a certain temperament you may be slightly you know more anxious as a, as a but as soon as you pop out the womb i think you might be slightly more neurotic than someone else but i think then how you how you create this idea of the world is largely going to be um, determined by uh, your early experiences early experiences you say yeah right. largely yeah right. yeah i'd say before the age of eight most important time do you think you're set out on an anxious track by the age of eight then 
I mean, not 100%, of course, but do you think the experiences up to that point uh, are, are amplified? Anxious or depressive track? Possibly, yeah. Wow. But we're talking about a factor here, a psychological factor, which combines perhaps with a genetic vulnerability and other events that and other things that impact. So just to underline, these, all these things interact. But yeah, if you were bullied at school, say... Um, no, I was pretty much the bully. Okay. Oh, if, sorry, you're taking a, hy- a or hypothetical even if you were, Even if you were the bully. Yeah. <laughs> this can have impacts later on for your, 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 your functioning. Yeah, it's made me feel great about myself. Did you... Um, did you demand their pocket money? <laughs> I'm joking. I was a very, very shy child. Uh, well, you I didn't was throw, neither, you didn't throw kids into nettles? Or, uh... I did not. I, I was neither bullied nor a bully, but I, I was I was quite quiet, and I was quite anxious. Hmm. Um, and I think that, that, that that's probably persisted into adulthood. Um, you're making up for... Uh, you're compensating a lot, aren't you, for your uh, reticence as a child now? Yes. You rarely shut up, both on stage and off it. <laughs> one rarely shuts up these days one's rarely shuts up um yeah okay do you think we're uh, getting almost towards the uh i think so yeah do you think there's anything we need to talk about in terms of what might lead to problems with how you view the world i think a couple of examples would be excellent yeah all right so well we talked about bullying persistent bullying could affect your self-esteem but i think any a critical parent it's awful to be um I think the victim of maltreatment from your parents, physical, sexual, emotional, and neglect. It's funny, actually. Um, when, when, as, yeah. a, as a parent, you, you, you remember some of the things that your parents said to you that were unkind or unthinking or damaging. And there wasn't many in my, in my no, no. bringing. No, mine neither. Yeah. And you, and you, but, but the odd one, which made you think, oh. And you, you, you um, uh, as a parent, you feel sort of slightly paranoid that, that the things you could say in an unthinking moment might have an might have mm. an effect, uh, mm. or, or a proportion of um, of how they were meant. Mm. Um, yeah, it's that Philip Larkin poem. This be the verse. That's man the one. passes misery on to man. Yeah, it deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out while you can, and don't have any kids yourself. Uh, it's a great poem. I'm quoted all of it because it's got a rude word in it. But it's it's the thing that all parents fear, right? Got the second word in it is rude. Put, it? Yeah, passing the neuroses on through generations. Mm. Hey. Oh, indeed, even overcompensating. You know, I find myself, my, my father was quite strict, a uh, wonderful father, but quite strict. And so I make an effort not to be strict with my children. And then yeah, I think maybe, you know, am I trying to be too much their mate rather than their parent anyway? Mm-hmm. If you're bullied at school, you're trying to correct that by showing, by showing them. I'll show the world. I'll show the world. And I'll become a CEO of a major company. I wonder yeah. how many of them were bullied at school. <laughs> oh, not many. They tend to be a bit alpha, innit? What about comedians? Definitely bullied at school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> simmering bed of neurosis. We'll come back to it, but this 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 idea of um, having um, uh, a slightly glass half empty view of the world might predispose you to depression if um, you've had some bad experiences early on in life. Uh, uh, I, I know that one of the big therapies for curing depression is cognitive behavioural mm. therapy, and I think we need this probably merits its own episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that 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 tries to sort of unpick, reprogram, if you like. Um, some of the pathways uh, in, yeah. in the brain that lead you to negative thinking. Um, and that's been very successful. I think we should also do an episode on resilience because we've talked about the vulnerability factors. But the flip side of that is what, what protects you from those vulnerabilities and stresses kicking you into depression. Almost like um, some sort of prophylactic. Yeah, what are your coping skills? What 
is your social support like? What's your network like? What's the quality of that network? Does it provide a lot of emotional support? Which is key. Practical support's important, but emotional support is, is, is thought to be the most important. Lovely. Well, we talked about biological causes. We talked about life events, cognitive style, i.e. the biological, the social, and the psychological. I found that very interesting. Thank you, Doctor. In it's terms of, I should say that at the end of every, uh, we should do that our outro. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, I, I found that really useful discussion in terms of um, what, what causes depression. Hope you have two. Hey, thanks for joining us on Why the Long Face. As ever, we're here to inform, hopefully, and entertain, but we're not here to give you medical advice. There is, however, information on our website, ytlf.com, that's W-H-Y-T-L-F.com, about where to get help. See you next time.